This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We are all curious, but what we are curious about can vary, obviously, from day to day, depending on what's going on in our lives. Yet, have you ever taken the moment to think about curiosity and what it is that brings this forward as part of our mental makeup? Mario Livio is a well-known astrophysicist who is a fellow of the American Association of Science. He has written a book about this called Why? What Makes Us Curious? And great to have Mr. Livio uh, with us today. Mario, thank you for joining us today. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. So, I mean, grand scheme of things, what is it that really does drive our curiosity? So curiosity has several kinds or flavors, and they are not driven by the same thing. So there is something that has been dubbed perceptual curiosity. That's the curiosity we feel when something surprises us or when something doesn't quite agree with what we know or think we know. And that is felt as an unpleasant state, as an aversive state. It's a bit like an itch that we need to scratch. Um, and, and that's why we try to find out the information in order to relieve that type of curiosity. There is, on the other hand, something that has been dubbed uh, epistemic curiosity, which is a pleasurable state uh, associated with an anticipation of reward. That's, that's our love of knowledge. That's what yeah. drives uh, all scientific research. It drives many artworks. It drives education and things like that. What is it then that, that, I mean, obviously when you're talking about being unpleasant or, or unhappy and being happy, there's, there's a basic difference between, uh, between uh, those two things. Uh, I, I mean, I would think that probably many people can feel both of those elements to them pretty much every day of their lives, correct? You're absolutely right. Of course, yes. I mean, uh you know, you see something that, uh, you know, completely did not expect or, or is very ambiguous, you feel somewhat unpleasant about this. On the other hand, uh, you know, you try to learn something new every day, and that is a very pleasurable state that, that gives you a reward. So, yes, everybody feels both of these things almost every day. Do you think there is an element of curiosity that is even enhanced now, especially in kind of this digital society that we live in? And and obviously uh, there are still many people around the world that are still trying to take in a lot of information about what being a part of this digital society is. Y yes. I mean, there are some people who have the feeling that because – we have now information literally at, at, at our fingertips that maybe we're becoming less curious. But that's not actually true. Um, I mean, there are two things to remember. One is that, um, you know, for example, when we do scientific research, we try to find answers to questions where we don't know the answers yet. Right. And therefore, you cannot find those answers on the Internet, let's say, or on Wikipedia. That's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that what uh, the Internet allows us to do and Wikipedia and Google and so on is it allows us uh, to satisfy what has been dubbed specific curiosity. Namely, you want to know a very particular detail, you know, like who was it that wrote this or that book or what was the name of the actor in that film? 
And that, of course, the digital age allows you to find the answer very quickly. And that's actually good because you don't want to spend all your time trying to answer a question like that. Especially when you're at your office trying to get projects done and you have something like that stirring in your head, correct? That's right. I mean, I I don't know how you feel about this, Dan, but, for example, I sometimes can be really obsessed by, you know, not knowing the answer to something very, very simple like that. But I I think that's that's almost a natural natural component of, of who we are. I, I, I think there are times, and, and it's got to be, in many cases, probably something that we love or we're, we're very attracted to, uh, of wanting to know what that information is, and we do become obsessed by it. That's right. And, and, and in that sense, of course, the digital age helps us because, you know, we can find that information that may drive us to look for something else about this, and that would drive at the end perhaps epistemic curiosity, which is this love of knowledge and wanting to learn new things. Do you think that 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 love of knowledge is, of these different kind of aspects of curiosity, do you think the love of knowledge is is truly the driving force behind it. I mean, and the other pieces kind of are, are you know, part of the spider web off of the core of it? Um, not necessarily, because, you know, there have been done uh, uh, all kinds of experiments in neuroscience with functional MRI, where, you know, they make people curious, but they put them in these MRI machines and they see which parts of their brains are activated. Mm-hmm. And it was found that this perceptual curiosity, the one when you're surprised or, you know, find something unexpected, really are associated with activations of the parts that are in our brain that usually uh, work in in conflict or when you're hungry or thirsty. And on the other hand, the parts that are associated with, uh, you know, learning new things uh, really activate the parts that are associated with anticipation of reward, you know, like when somebody is offering you a piece of chocolate or when you sit in a theater for a play you really wanted to see and you're waiting for the curtain to go up. We are joined by Mario Livio, who is the author of the book, Why? What Makes Us Curious? Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, and we can bring it up on the show that way, either at bizradio111, B-I-Z radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at danloney21. Uh, I'd be interested to get your opinion on when you think historically uh, about curiosity. There seemingly have been uh, people that, you know, if they call themselves leaders of countries, uh, to a degree have wanted to, it feels like, snuff out curiosity. I'm thinking Fidel Castro potentially, you know, being one of them. Some people would say to a degree that President Trump right now is trying to do that. Have you seen that in going back and doing the research on this? Have you seen that as a as a component in in the in the world? Of of course. I mean, you know, I mean, we all know about the Middle Ages, the medieval times, yeah. when you know, curiosity was almost you know taken out of existence. I mean, basically, well, at that time it was mostly the church that wanted to convey to the masses the feeling that everything worth knowing is already known. So, you know, they built walls around all types of knowledge and and really oppressed curiosity in this way. Uh, You you, you mentioned, you know, a few leaders, but it's not just leaders. You know, uh, the Taliban, you know, destroyed works of art 
uh, ISIS is destroying works of art in Palmyra in Syria. Uh, there have been book burnings, you know, over the years, you know, many such occasions. The Nazis, of course, you know, yeah. made a degenerate art exhibit where, you know, they tried to uh, deface all the modern painters and things like that. So, yeah, there definitely have been oppressive regimes, uh, ideologies that try to, to stifle curiosity. What I found interesting is that you note in the book that uh, there really isn't just one definition of, of curiosity, uh, which I found interesting. Y- yes, uh, and, and I mentioned already, you know, two of those types of curiosity, perceptual and epistemic. Yeah. Uh, there is also something that, that has been dubbed diversive curiosity. I mean, that's the thing, you know, when you see young people constantly on their on their smartphone, you know, <laughs> looking for text messages. I mean, this is more, I think, to word of boredom, basically. Yeah, I'm uh, unfortunately with three kids right now. I'm in the midst of that, so I <laughs> so I, I I understand that first uh, firsthand. Uh, but, I mean, uh, uh, curiosity has always been seen, I think, by most people as a very good thing because you're you know you're trying to, in many cases, gain knowledge, whatever it might be. Uh, in that case, with diversive. I mean, there is a negative to it to a degree because your attention is is kind of turned away. But again, they are to a degree, there is a little bit of that search element of looking for information or looking for contact. Uh, It's kind of a it's kind of walking a walking a fine line there. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, they're also looking for information and also it serves as, as a social element. Right. I mean, they connect with friends. They connect with people sometimes, you know, across countries uh, and, and things like that. So it, it isn't all negative. Absolutely not. But do you think that it, that it affects curiosity in general because it has become such a, a, you know, kind of an attractive piece to to our society? And a lot of people have talked about the fact that it, it does take away a little bit of our communication skills. I mean, it's changed the communication skill. Instead of it being face to face, it's now fingertip to fingertip. Uh, that is absolutely right, and and that may have eventually uh, some negative consequences. The fact that you know if people will never leave home and just stay at home and connect through all kinds of digital devices, I mean I can see all kinds of shortcomings for that type of a society. But at the same time, as I said, I mean the really important questions, yeah, you know, like advances in science and so on, cannot be found through digital devices. Mario Livio joins us. He is the author of the book, Why? What Makes Us Curious? Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You do take time in the book to really delve into the science uh, of this. And I just give us a, a little bit of a background on what you found and and why science has been so intrigued by this as well? Well, you know, I mean, uh, if you are a curious person, then you ought to also be curious about curiosity itself. And so this has been researched both by psychologists, cognitive scientists, and by neuroscientists. So there are two parts to this. One is to understand our state of mind when we are curious. And I alluded to that a little bit in that one type of curiosity creates a, an unpleasant sensation, uh, and another one creates an anticipation of reward. And uh, also from a neuroscientific perspective, namely, you know, what happens in our brain when we become curious. 
And again, it was found that, especially the, the epistemic curiosity, when we try to learn new things, it, it really follows the paths of, of reward, of dopamine, which is, yeah. you know, this neurotransmitter that is associated with reward in our brains. Uh, and, and that is uh, that is something that obviously is a is a big piece to uh, to how we function uh, on a day to day basis. That, that the dopamine is obviously an exceptional impact on our brains and and what happens to uh, to our personalities uh, moving forward. Uh, but when, when you're talking about curiosity, I, I see it. And you know, doing a radio show is interesting from the perspective of. The amount of different topics that we talk about on on a daily basis. You know, we're talking with you. Uh, you know, right now we just talked about uh, you know healthcare. We talk about a variety of different things. There are there are people that I think it, it feels like that they are almost naturally curious. It, it almost it's ingrained in their personality as they as they come into the world. Is that the case? Of course, yes. Uh, you know, most psychological traits and curiosity is no exception. Uh, have a genetic component to them. So, you know, the fact that some people are much more curious than others, uh, largely it has to do with their genetics. Uh, but, of course, you know, as in all cases, genetics is never the whole story. Um, you know, in the same way as the, you know, na nature versus nurture question. I mean, of course, the two of them play a role. So you can enhance curiosity by you know, doing certain things by asking questions, by uh, encouraging people to, to be curious about things. Uh, or you can suppress curiosity, as we just noted, you know, sometimes by regimes, sometimes by ideologies, uh, and so on. So uh, basically, yes, people have something in them which they are born with, but then also the environment can help or, uh, you know, be against enhancing this curiosity. Just to give an example, you see, if you are children of refugees that have to cross countries and look for food all the time, yeah. uh, you may be curious about where do you find your next meal and not so much, you know, contemplating the meaning of life. We are in a society right now that, that I mean, with all the innovation that goes on right now, uh, it, it feels like we're constantly, constantly looking to improve so many different aspects of our lives. Is it fair to say that, that curiosity may be one of the things that might be hard to improve because uh, of what it is and, and, and the history behind it and, you know, just how it kind of relates to us on a day-to-day -day basis? No, I don't think it is it is hard to improve. Of course, you cannot change your genetic makeup. Right. I mean, well, maybe one day we will be able even to do that. Well, but at the moment, we don't do that, and we don't want to do that. Uh, but, you know, through the education system, uh, you can actually improve on curiosity. I'll, I'll give you a very simple example. If you teach science to young children, uh, don't start by trying to teach them things that they may not be interested in. Start with something they're already curious about, like dinosaurs. Most young kids are interested in dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Start with dinosaurs and then find interesting ways to connect from that to other concepts you would like them to learn, rather than starting from the beginning with something they may not be interested in.
So, so education can play a, 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 an important role and, and obviously has, but even, even that can be uh, tweaked to improve uh, our curiosity moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. And, and realistically, playing off of that, the, the development of kids' curiosity, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. And obviously how important that is for young people as they are growing up. So, I mean, it provides them so many different elements when they get into their teenage years and into college, and, and then they start into their professional careers. That's right. So, you, you know, most people know that very young children are extremely curious. They constantly ask questions. And that's largely because they especially want to understand cause and effect. They want to understand, you know, how the world around them is functioning so that they make fewer errors. Now, some people think that as we grow up, we lose our curiosity. And that's not entirely true. I mean, we do lose some elements of diversive curiosity or, you know, of the ability to be surprised. But Actually, epistemic curiosity, that love of knowledge, appears to be roughly constant across all ages. So we can lose a little bit of the element. You you mentioned about being surprised about that that perceptual curiosity. Uh, Yes, a little bit of that, yes. I mean, you know, as we grow older, we we sort of tend a little bit to... uh, We're less inclined to take risks for novelty, I would say. Yeah, right, and and it's that it's the it's the exuberance of youth kind of uh, factor playing in, correct? That's right. That's right. Mario Livio is the author of the book "Why: What Makes Us Curious." Your comments welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call. I guess to a degree, when you are older, uh, as you mentioned, you you do not take the risks that you did when you were say twenty or thirty years of age. But I wouldn't think that that your curiosity wanes and uh, that much even when you're older. Correct. Correct. I mean, you know, your love of knowledge remains and your willingness to learn new things appears to be constant across all ages. I mean, people at very old ages are still willing to learn things, uh, to to discover new things, uh, to read and and, and things of that nature. Is part of that because, uh, you know, as you get older and, you know, you move out of your career, you're looking for that that something to fill that bill. So that becomes your, your level of curiosity. Of course. And, and of course, the topics in which you are uh, curious about, I mean, may change, of course, with, with age or with, with time or with whatever occupation you're in and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So uh, different people are curious about different things and the level of intensity of their curiosity may be different. You ask a question uh, that, that's printed on the front of the book jacket, and I wanted to ask it to you anyway. Uh, are kids more curious than adults? Kids are more curious in terms of diversive and perceptual curiosity, but but I think in terms of epistemic curiosity, adults are as curious. Because? Uh, well, you know, of course, originally this probably all started for survival, right? I mean, we needed to understand very well our environment uh, in order to be able to survive. So there was an evolutionary pressure to this. But mm-hmm. somehow humans are always more curious than just for mere survival. I mean, you know, when we, I, I'm an astrophysicist, uh, what we study in science will probably become applicable at one point, but it is not applicable at the moment. 
So, mm-hmm. and we're still very curious about this because we want to understand everything around us. What What is it that makes you curious on a day to day basis? Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm really curious about the universe, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, things that relate to the beginning of the universe, to the fate of the universe. Uh, the nature of the dark energy that is pushing the cosmic expansion to accelerate. But I'm also interested in things like, you know, uh, how did life emerge in the universe, uh, the nature of consciousness, many things. Uh, and, and, and as you like to say, uh, well, or you kind of allude to, I'm curious about life just in general because of the fact that, you know, from from where we were, even in the course of when I was born around the mid 60s to where we are now it's amazing that that there are many elements of our society that have changed so drastically yet there are certain elements of our society that have remained the same i think that's i think that's a very unique uh, unique aspect to what we have in our culture right now of course uh, look i mean as a scientist i can tell you that today we have the answers to questions that a hundred years ago we didn't even know the questions themselves 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, what is your, ex- I mean, we talked a little bit ago about the fact that there is the potential for curiosity to even be enhanced further. Uh, is there an expectation of yours that because of where we are in society and, and just kind of the improvements that we are looking for on a day-to-day basis that, that we could see something happen where our curiosities could be peaked even farther than they are now? Uh, they could, you know, depending on, of course, new discoveries. I mean, the nature of, for example, scientific research, but sometimes even artistic contemplation, is that every the answer to every question just brings about a new question. And sometimes the new question is even more intriguing than the original question. Right. And so you may become more curious about it. Great to have you with us, Mario. Thank you for your time today. Sure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Uh Mario Livio, great to have him with. The book is titled Why? What Makes Us Curious? Uh, It is available in bookstores and online right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.